say Boker Tov, good morning. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? I hope you're here tonight because we need to give the complete day to him, Christ our Savior, who loved us and gave himself for us. Joanne and I are very happy to have this privilege today to share from God's word, to share about what God has placed on my heart and also about the nation of Israel whom God has wonderfully blessed in many ways. I'd like you to take your Bibles first of all, even though what you see on the screen, to go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. I want you to notice what God has to say here uh, pertaining to the nation of Israel, how unique they are. Verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Notice he's talking to the nation of Israel, and he said, I, bara, I created you. And how wonderful it is. And O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. And notice what he says here. God's possession is Israel. As you know, that things are taking place in the Middle East. You're hearing it constantly over the air, the television, in newspapers and all of this about what's taking place in the Middle East. But I want to talk about where it really all began and where it started. And if you'll notice on the screen there, we have the text of Genesis chapter 12. Remember, God created this nation, and he says that there that is. Notice, go back to Genesis chapter 12, and I want you to notice uh, what he says here uh, pertaining to the creation of the nation of Israel. Verse 1, now the Lord, notice it's the Lord, this is the sacred name of God that's not pronounced, so it's a substitution that they use because they can't pronounce his name, lest they take it in vain. Now the Lord hath said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto, notice, a land. There's a parcel of land that he wanted them to go. So. What are we thinking about today? What's happening in the Middle East? It involves about a land. And he goes on, and I will show thee. Then the promise of God is this, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. One thing about the nation of Israel, it's never been forgotten since God created this nation. It's a, a miracle nation. It's a unique nation that God created for himself and uh, it's God's possession. That's what God states in the word of God. And he says, I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So you see, when God created this unique nation, it was because of his divine love, he says so, but also uh, the usefulness that he would use this nation in such a way to be able to reach out to the world. And we were celebrating communion just a few moments ago. And how wonderful it is that through the nation of Israel, God would provide the Savior. In the book of Isaiah chapter 49, it brings out through Israel, God will bring redemption. So we are grateful this morning as we take in communion and we think of this wonderful Savior. Look at the songs that we were singing today that were so precious and meaningful to us. And thank the Lord for those that created these words for us to sing, to praise our God. But it's through this nation that God blesses the world. 
and we need to realize where the blessing comes from. And so this man, Abraham, listened to God, and he was obedient to God, and he had to leave his father, his mother, everything behind. You see, obedience does bring the blessing of the Lord. And so therefore, Abraham at this point was very obedient to the Lord. The Lord was real to him, and he obeyed God and believed God. And the Bible brings that out about him. Uh, so in, in the scriptures, and he said, I will make of thee a great nation, and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. But when you realize uh, in Genesis 11.30 and, and, and Genesis 16, we find that things started to set in. And uh, the faith was weakened somewhat, especially with uh, Sarai. And uh, we find here uh, in the scriptures that uh, they were trying to think about this very thing. If God's going to bless us and make us a great nation, uh, Genesis 11.30, if you go back to that, notice what it says here in Genesis 11.30. But Sarai was barren and had no children even though God gave them the promise that it would. And then years passed by. In fact, uh, they became weaker and weaker in faith. And maybe they were thinking that, that what God said was going to another way. And uh, they tried to reason out the method of, uh, of how this was going to be met, that God was going to build it from a man to a family and a nation. And that's exactly what took place. He started with his man Abraham, they went down into Egypt, and there he developed them from a family into a nation. And then through them, uh, he would bless the whole world. But that's exactly how it really started out. God's concern is with both seeds because he promises a blessing. Where it all started though, of the conflict is Genesis chapter 16. Will you turn to that portion of scripture? You see, the promise of God. He said he would do it, but many years passed by. In fact, humanly speaking, it was past really the possibility of the seed to go on. And yet, God said he would make them a great nation, and through them, he would bless the world. And in Genesis chapter 16, it says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Here's where we begin to see the conflict of what's taking place in the Middle East. Notice verse 2, and Sarai said unto Abram, behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Notice that she said it was the Lord that did this in her life. And uh, if the Lord was in her life in withholding the blessing for the time being, still the Lord was there in her life. And she should have completely trusted the Lord that he would work out even though it was past, she was past the flowering of her age. But nevertheless, that's what happens when we get anxious and we have this drive in our life to produce uh, our family. And then it goes on to say here in verse 2, And Sarai said unto him, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from uh, bearing. I pray thee, go into, unto my maid, and may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearken unto the voice of Abraham. And so we find that this is what takes place in, in this uh, plan of their lives, of seeking to say, well, God's going to bless me. Maybe it's through this means is what he means that we have this blessing. 
And then it goes on to say, and, and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her, uh, conceived, her mister was despised in her eyes. Notice also about this conflict that this lady that was being chosen to be now the seed to produce for the nation of Israel, that even though it was their customs, it was not really a custom that God could really place his blessing upon it because it wasn't his plan. He said through Abraham's seed and through her seed that this would come and develop from a man to a family and a nation. And so we find here in this scripture verse here that uh, they started to reason it out and to work it out, which they thought was at least a plan. It was accepted in our society at the time, and this is where we would build our family. And so therefore, it says in verse 4, he went unto Hagar and she conceived, and when she saw that she conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So the first thing that happened was because of this, of the chiding of Hagar to Sarai, started the conflict of what's taking place and really is even seen today as we think of what's happening there in the Middle East. And then verse 5, it says, And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. Notice, it really wasn't something, the will of God at all. It was a wrong. At least it was admitted uh, at, at that point. And uh, it, it, it brings it out here in the, in the scriptures here, that my wrong be upon thee. And uh, I've lost my place here. And it says in verse 5, uh, And Sarai I said unto him, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, and the Lord judged between me and thee. And Abraham said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Uh, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt harshly or hardly with her, she fled from her face. Then she has the experience here, and this is the wonderful thing, that even though uh, she wasn't in the perfect plan and will of God, God has a mercy and a compassion upon the nations of the world. And we can see here in this particular thing of the formation of what we believe is the formation of the Arab world. And we find here uh, in the scriptures that God really was concerned about her as well. And in verse 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord, now that angel is not a created being. It's Moloch, is the Hebrew word that is used there. And it is one that really guided the nation of Israel when he brought them out from the land of Egypt. He went before them, went behind them when, when Pharaoh and his army was getting closer and closer. And he closed the, the gap in that by stopping them uh, from uh, getting closer to the children of Israel as they're fleeing from Egypt. And so therefore, in, in this chapter, it says, the angel of the Lord. So God was interested in Hagar. He's interested in the Arab world very much so. And then it goes on to say uh, here in the scripture, uh, and he said, Hagar, handmaid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. So we find here that uh, he's very much concerned about her. Now notice what he gives her. He gives her advice and also a promise. And it goes on to say, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and thou shalt bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thine affliction. So God had compassion on Hagar. 
He had compassion in a way that he was trying to comfort her, but also to remind her of God's plan because you have to realize there is the plan of God. And so therefore he says, uh, you're going to have the child and it'll be born out of affliction. And because of the very beginning of this whole thing that started, it has been a great, great affliction down through the years. Now notice what it says in verse 12. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Here in, in this scriptures, we find some of the characteristics about this one. By the way, as you see on the screen here, that he said to her to go back and submit. And I believe that if this would take place, that they'd see the plan of God and surrender to it, God would have blessed this thing in spite of the, of the difficulties of the whole thing. But God told him to go back. Then he brings out some of these characteristics and he uses that verse uh, in Genesis 16, 12. He'll be a wild man. Now that doesn't mean a crazy man. Uh, he's a man with a free roaming spirit. But of course some of the things that have been taking place in our day uh, just amazes me to see how far man could go and the viciousness of, that sets in in humanity. And we can see this at what's happening in the Middle East when you think of uh, cutting off heads and the way that they're killing people and everything. Um, you can just see this that has happened to the Arabs in, in this way, the people. And it says, his hand will be against every man. And you can see that, what's happening. You can see this roaming type of spirit, this feuding spirit that he has. And then it goes on, it says, he shall dwell in the midst of his brethren. And I believe that uh, this conflict that's been going on uh, is all centered in the Middle East. I have a, a, a title for my message, it's One Land and Two People, because that's exactly what it starts out. And even though they have the same father, yet it's brought out that even though God blesses Ishmael and his seed, and he did, and he will, he also says, but through Israel, that is the one that is above and would be the nation that God would use to redeem the whole world. So we can see the uniqueness of the nation of Israel. But we can also see the compassion of God when he talks about Ishmael and how he will bless them. And that's truly exactly what happened. This land is involved with two people today, just like the Bible talks about. Drastically, we can see what has been happening in Israel with the rockets and the bombs, everything, and, and every day as we see more, more people perishing. And I want you to know personally in my heart, uh, even though God has laid the Jewish people especially upon my heart, and I begin to see from the scriptures that God has uniquely chosen them, and above other nations to use them in a unique way, I still have a, a love and compassion for these Arab people because God's heart is for them as well as for others. It's just they've taken everything into their own hands of the Jewish people and also of the Arab people and it's earned a terrible, devastating judgment by both groups. And there's a great heartache and self, uh, of suffering in this. But here in the word of God, God foretold that since they didn't go and wait on God and their faith was 
totally trusting in him. See, they looked this way and they looked that way and they crumbled. If they had their eyes upward, God would have guided them. And this heartache and conflict would not have been. But sad to say, man takes things in his own hands. And Sarai took it in her hands to go through her maid, saying that's okay, it's acceptable in our society, it's our tradition, we can do that. And that was a wrong thing. And that wrong thing has been so devastating. It's like a stone. I used to go to a uh, lake and take a stone and toss it in the water, make it skip. And as it skipped, I see it rippling out, going further and further. That's exactly what is taking place. It's just been going further and further all the time of what's happening. And these rockets and everything have been uh, going into Tel Aviv and Beersheba and that. This is the strip that we're talking about that's really uh, the great striking point right now. That's the, the, the things that are so uh, hard to understand between two people of what really can take place in the shedding of a lot of blood. Well, one of the reasons why today Israel is there firing upon that soil of the area of Gaza which was, by the way, was a Philistine city, is because they've grown, carved underneath tunnels and where they, from Egypt, bring a lot of their goods and armament and all of the things. Plus, they use those tunnels today uh, to go out into the soil of Israel, the state of Israel, to capture them and to bring them back. And you know, you've heard some of the devastating things. Here's some of the tunnels. It's amazing how it goes so far down and how they've been digging this out underground. And for the purpose of hatred and shedding of blood, it's, it's a terrible thing. In fact, here's a picture that I have to show you how deep it goes down and then how underground, how they've made these passageways. Some of them go right into the state of Israel there. And that's how they um, go through to get upon the soil of Israel and to attack. And you can see what Israel has done on the bombing of these areas to get all of these tunnels, they got to clear them out. I remember uh, in the 9091 when they were up in the Becca Valley, which is up in Lebanon area, the tunnels up there were like theaters. They, the tanks could go underground right through them, believe it or not. And there were a lot of tunnels there that they had to take out in the past. And I remember also when I was there that we could see uh, flatbed trucks bringing jeeps and tanks uh, from the Syrians and from the Jordanians and that and bringing them down and they're all air conditioned it's an amazing thing of what they've done of the underground tunnels and everything but these have not been used for blessing they've been used for judging and killing other people but you know when we think of the uh, nations that are involved in this between the Arab nations and the Jewish nation both Arabs are claiming that land. Jewish people have occupied that land from at least 1100 BC. Arabs claim that the land has been there since 7 AD. However, they say that their right goes back to Abraham and they claim it through Ishmael. But remember in the scriptures, it's very clearly says that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And uh, that's, I believe, is what God says. And that's the reason why I believe we need to pray for the nation of Israel. But as we examine the text of Genesis 17, God said he'd bless Israel and his seed, but he would establish his covenant with Isaac. Can we accept what God says? Can we trust him that what he says? 
And he says that he uniquely developed and created this nation, that through him he would use them to reach the world. And also that he would bless them by giving them a special land. He says in the scriptures that he would also bless and multiply their seed. Verse 10 of Genesis 16 says, And Moloch, the angel of the Lord, said unto her, I'll multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall be uh, numbered for multitude. God promised. Do you realize today that there's 21 nations, Arab nations presently? And they're talking about now making more and dividing the land more. By the way, the state of Israel is only the size of the state of New Jersey. It's a very small parcel of land. And if they go back to the time of the 48 uh, surrender and everything, there's a, a narrow space of only 10 miles between them and everything. So there's lots of problems that they have to solve. But there's 21 nations. I think God has really blessed them. They have more land, more territory than we have here in America and also including Canada. So God has blessed in that particular way. But God's covenant is with Isaac. And that means the land belongs to the nation of Israel. And if we could only accept what God says, there would be a big difference because God also said he wanted to bless Ishmael as well. So therefore the land belongs to Israel. And keep in mind that Ishmael had an Egyptian mother and her seed and it would not come of that blessing through that. So the biblical history doesn't follow Ishmael's seed except for the role that they play in, about Israel. And that's what Genesis 16 verse 12 is about, is this feuding kind of spirit would take place. All of this was born out of compromise, and that makes it even sadder to me. But his covenant was with the nation of Israel. And as I said, God gave to them a unique parcel of land. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, I believe is the, the um, royal covenant. I believe that this is the title deed, the Bible, that, that is their land. And out of that reason, I accept what God says in his word. And he goes on to say in Genesis 15, 18, in that same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. Then he begins to map it out. And when he maps it out, this is what it looks like. It's a tremendous portion of land. It's 192 million acres of land, which is the royal covenant that God gave to Israel, as you can see up here. Hamath is the north one. In other words, that's way up into Lebanon. And down here is called Kadesh, and the river of Egypt is another one. And then this river, called the river, uh, river Euphrates, is the land. That's a royal land grant. And it wasn't through Ishmael's seed, it was through Isaac's seed. Can we accept what God says? Can we believe in it? And if we do, we need to pursue it that way of praying uh, that God will fulfill his promises of what he has to the nation of Israel. This gives you a little bit more of mapping it out of the royal land grant that really belongs to the nation of Israel. That means Iraq and Iran and Lebanon uh, way up in that area, according to what God says, that they've never had this much, but God is going to give it to them. This is what it's all about. You can see the narrow part of it now uh, in, in this map. You can see what it is, which is the recognized by the United Nothingness uh, of, of the state of Israel today. God has for them a lot more. Now, because of Sarai's weak in faith and everything, 
things took place that's caused this great tragedy that has happened in the Middle East today because they didn't follow the Lord. Palestine is Arab land. Does it say that really? Go to Leviticus chapter 20 and notice what God has to say here uh, in the scriptures. Leviticus chapter 20. And I'm thinking of verse 24. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land. Notice, you know what he's saying? The people who were occupying the land before Israel, when they came out of Egypt, there were people who were occupying that land. And God said he was going to take it away from them. How do I know? Because Deuteronomy chapter 7 said so, that when they bring them in uh, to the land, that people had occupied the land and he would take them out. And that's what he's saying here now in Leviticus 20, but I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land. Other nations were occupying that land. And I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Can we accept what God says? That this is a nation that God is uniquely, specially cited out, and wanted to use them for his honor and his glory. And even though they were released from the land and, and dispersed from the, that area, God said he would bring them back again. And even though when I talk about Ishmael or the Arab land, I realize that, uh, that not all of those in the Middle East, there are Arabs at all. Um, as, uh, it's very, but nevertheless, there's something that does bring them together today. Uh, even though there are, besides Arabs, there's Persians and uh, Egyptians and Coptics and all of that. that are. But the myth is, uh, here from the Word of God, that they've made a covenant with death and they believe that through Ishmael and through the scriptures and, and the interpretation of the Arab Bible that it takes away totally what God says through the seed that would come. And they've made uh, 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 an error. What brings them all together is the Islamic religion. That's the common denominator that brings them all together. When I look at this picture and realize on the, uh, once in their lifetime that they have to make their uh, pilgrimage to Mecca and everything. And as I looked at this picture, all those little dots are people's heads. That's people. It's, it's such a mass of people that go there. Uh, and they go to the uh, black stone, which is right over there and they go there to worship and everything and they have a strong thing that has brought them together and after September 11th the Muslim religion in America started to really boom didn't it and everything so we can see in the, in the latter days what is happening of the feuding goes back to Genesis chapter 16 it goes back to that description of what God said uh, how they would have that kind of spirit notice uh, his land what he says. In Leviticus 25, 23, if you'll go to that scripture, I want you to notice what God has to say here. And can we accept what he says? That's the most important thing that we accept. Leviticus 25, 23. He says, and the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. So really, who owns the Middle East? The Arabs, the Jews, not at all. God. God owns it. It's his land. And he said to the nation of Israel, when you go out of Egypt, go. Others have been occupied. You take it over. And the reason why 
you read Deuteronomy chapter 9, it says because of the sinfulness of, of the nations that were really destroying his land and, and uh, making it very unholy. And God said to them to go and to take this land. But here in this text, he says, the land is mine. And then he says to the nation, and ye are strangers, and what? They're sojourners with him. Out of this particular verse, I believe that God gave that land to the nation of Israel and that God wants them to use them in that land for his honor and his glory. Here's the road map for peace and everything. And it's uh, land for peace. For, uh, for the Arabs, uh, for going all claims to within the land, 67. This is what they're trying to do. They're saying, we want you to go back to other borders if we're going to have somewhat of a peace. But that won't take place because of the hardness of their hearts at this time. And they had different plans of how they need to go back. If they followed this plan, little by little by little that they give up, do you know where Israel will finally end up? In the sea. In the sea. That's exactly where it's going to be. In the meantime, we find this land, something is taking place. And they're building these walls. And I've been up to these walls. And tremendous, a high wall. In fact, up as high as the ceiling, the walls. And they have a four-mile uh, portion in the middle of the state of Israel now that separates the Arabs uh, from the Jewish people. And you can see here, if you look closely, there's a minaret showing that this is the Arab part. This is the Jewish part of here. And here's that wall, 400 miles long. Isn't it interesting that the Bible talks uh, a day coming when that wall also will disappear as well uh, in that way. In closing, I'd like to point out to you again about this land that God has given that parcel, that royal land grant to the nation of Israel. And we need to obey God and follow God. A satellite was on the soil of Israel and it came down. And as it came down on the soil of Israel, it made letters right in here. You can see it's boxed a little bit. And there are four letters. It's the four letters that we say for God what his name is. It's a yod, it's a hey, and a va, and a hey. Those are the four sacred letters for the name of God. And that satellite came down, and on the soil of Israel today, it is, like it says, the land is mine. And there was the name, the sacred name of God, embedded on the soil of Israel, the Lord our God. Here's the letters that I'm talking about. You can see it, the letters, and we go from right to left. Yod, Hey, Vah, Hey. That's on the soil of Israel. So God has marked it out with his name. And another interesting thing about it, in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 12, it says, But now go unto my place, which is in Shiloh, and I've set my name at the first. So God has said, even in the scriptures, that the name of God would be in Shiloh. Guess what? The satellite came down at Shiloh and on the soil of Israel is the sacred name of God. So God has marked his land out and God has said that they would sojourn with him. And God also said that when you wouldn't follow the Lord, the stone would ripple out and it would affect every nation of the world. That's exactly what's taking place right now and all of us are shaken within our hearts at times when we see what is taking place in the Middle East. The conflict between two seas that started way back then 
when they tried to reason out of how they could project for their family and into the nation. When if only they had waited on the Lord, that would make a big difference. By the way, there is a day coming when Israel will finally wait on the Lord. Go to Zechariah chapter 12, and I want you to notice what he has to say here, that we can see this very fact of uh, there'll be a change of heart. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. Now notice, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. When you think of that, what do you think of? You think of the cross. This is a prophetic scripture. There's a day coming when the nation of Israel, because it's the house of David, notice, that's the kingly line. And God says here in his word, uh, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his and the Hebrew word there is ben yachid, means absolutely only one, only son. They're going to mourn upon God's only son, the nation of Israel. So there is a way out. It's a recognition if Israel would only call upon the Lord. Sad to say they're not there yet because they're more humanistic and secular Jews and all of that. And uh, they're not doing rights. And when God sent them into the land, he said, it's not because you're perfect that I bring you in, but I've brought you in for a purpose to clean out, to cleanse my land. Way back then when they went as a nation out of Egypt and, and going toward the promised land. So I believe it is even today that God really wants to use this nation. But they, to find the end of all this conflict between Ishmael and also the seed of Abraham and Isaac. They have to look upon me whom they appears. And it goes on to say in the scriptures, and they shall in bitterness for him that is in bitterness for his firstborn. A devastating time is going to come to Israel when they come to the end of themselves. And then realize it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And they put their trust in him. That's the end of it all. In fact, go to Isaiah chapter 60. And now notice what he says here. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Now notice, and the Gentiles shall come unto thee, to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy coming. There is a day coming when Israel will realize that he is the light of the world, Yeshua HaMashiach, and they'll put their trust in him. And when they stop looking for their strength and power to survive and look to the Lord and his might, God will act, and it'll be the end of all things. So we can be assured of what the outcome is going to be according to the scriptures. But in the meantime, we have to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We have to pray that God will change the heart of the Arab world as well. That God will work in their lives that they may come to know this one true and living God. And they look upon him as one mourneth for his only son. That's the way out. That's God's way. And if they'll only do that, then he'll have a great blessing. I wanted to show you, uh, going out in the landmark, but this is the last slide I want to show you here as how the land is laid out in Jerusalem. It's very interesting uh, here. If you can see, this is a Hebrew letter right here. 
This is the, called the Shin. It looks like a W. And here's the Kedron Valley. There's the Valley of Gehenna, and it goes like that. Gehenna's like an L. And then there's a Cheesemakers Valley. It makes up the letter of the Shin. In other words, the way that the land is mapped out in Jerusalem, the place where he's going to place his name, where his glory is going to dwell, and everything, it's in the form of a shin, showing once again that even the land itself, God has marked it out, that it's his land, it's his people, and he wants to work for them. But the real answer to the whole crux of the matter is the Lord. And when they look upon him and trust him as Lord and Savior in their life and realize he's the only way, God will shed a great blessing. But in the meantime, we've got to pray for this, that God will work things out because God is interested in that land. Because you know what? You may not be able to go to Israel now, but there's a day coming when we will be in the presence of the Lord because it says his feet is going to stand that day upon the Mount of Olives. And guess what? When he comes back to the earth, we come with his saints. So therefore, we're coming to that very land. And that is the land. And Isaiah 2 beautifully brings it out. If you can read that this afternoon and reading your Bible, you'll find there's a day coming when the nations of the world will go up to Jerusalem and say, we know that God is in their midst and God will bless it. See, the end of all of it is Christ. End of it is the Messiah. The end of it is when we put our trust in Him. And that's what Israel needs to do. And we need to pray for this. But I just wanted to share this conflict, where it all started, where it's all going, where it'll all end. And we know that God is going to be all in all. And what He promised Israel, He'll, he'll do. Just like He said to Ishmael, I'll bless you and make you great nations. 21 nations are already in a, over in that particular area. God is true to his word, and he's going to fulfill it when we put our trust in him. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here this morning to be able to share, because we know that this is much on our hearts. It's placed in our hearts because of what we see and hear, and we just do pray for this land. We pray for its people. Lord, so much blood is being shed. So many people going into eternity not knowing Christ. Oh, Lord, have your compassion and mercy upon both of the two people that you wanted to bless, that you wanted them to be a blessing to others. I ask your Heavenly Father that you'll do a great work in the lives of these people and change them around. I know, Lord, that you've got to purge out rebels because even not all Israel is true Israel. And I know you have to do this, but Lord, we pray that soon we will see an end of these things and the shedding of the blood and the people that are going constantly into eternity not knowing you. We ask your Lord as believers that we may be concerned about this and pray much about it, Lord, and look to you that you will do a great work. For we pray in the name of our Savior. Amen.